Do you invest in ETFs? Whether you're thinking, what in the world is an ETF? Or you're looking for the next opportunity to add to your portfolio. GlobalX has you covered. From big tech to bonds and bars of gold, GlobalX offers a wide range of exchange-traded funds. Go beyond ordinary with GlobalX ETFs. Visit globalxetfs.com.au. That's globalxetfs.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth-creating journey but not sure where to put your hard-earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Welcome to this episode of the Australian Investors Podcast. Very special one because Drew and I, g'day, mate. How are you? We're joined by Jamie Nemesis. How you going, mate? Special guest. Special Good. guest. Thanks, guys. I think you got the most positive feedback of any episode of really? 2022 in terms of the way you present ideas. So, well, stoked to have you here. He That's because I had props, um, but there's no video this time, so my props are limited. Yeah, but we're, we're going to talk about uh, portfolio management, uh, which you've got a, like a wealth of knowledge on, mate. So... Um, we're going to go through like the five things that you should really know about portfolio management, how professionals like Jamie and Drew do this. And then we're going to have a few resources as well as the ability to contact Jamie and Drew in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. But maybe just to start, like what's, what's the bird's eye view of portfolio management? What is it supposed to do? I think you've got a unique way of explaining portfolio management. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, asset allocation is 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 probably the most important thing in portfolio construction for a client. So, from an overall perspective, mm. what does what does that mean? Obviously, lots of sub buckets with different assets that perform in different ways. Um, <clears throat> Drew was talking about how I explain it. Well, trying to explain it, I explain it like. Uh, the role of a financial planner in, in portfolio mm. management is more like you're running an orchestra and you might have this the string section and in the string section you might have a violin, which could be an example of a ETF. Mm. And a, a violin by itself sounds fine, but an orchestra sounds better. Mm. So how do you get the perfect balance within your portfolio of, of uh, ETFs or, or violins versus percussion versus... So <clears throat> I see it um, holistic picture, top down, how do you allocate your capital? Yeah. And the key being you, like you're setting portfolio management for the achievement of a objective, whether that's we talked, was it passive income before mm. or growth and trying to balance both? Yeah. What would be the drums? <laughs> yeah, drums. The loudest part. Yeah, maybe that's Peter. Uh, thematics. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because <laughs> it's consistent yeah, like, yeah. A, like the cello. Yeah, They're really yeah. consistent things yeah. in the background. Yeah, I like that. So, um, for the folks that have listened to us talk before or have come across Rodal Partners or just even chatted with you guys, they'll know about like the some of the views you have, like you said, like building out, uh, matching 
portfolio manager with the objective, of course. Yeah. But um, and they'd be probably familiar with the four buckets of portfolio management. How you guys think, which is quite unique in that you've got four b- buckets, not just the sixty forty stocks versus bonds type situation going on. Maybe can we take that because that's probably a step down from the from the top down. Yeah. Can either of you explain how you think about the four buckets and what would go in each? Go, Drew. Happy to. So, the four buckets being reasonably straightforward, growth assets, defensive assets, growth alternatives, defensive alternatives. I think the latter two are the- uh, Yeah, the latter two are the two that throw people are the off growth and defensive alternatives? Yes. Yeah, so, just an example for each one. An example for each one. So, generally, if you want, you're looking for an alternative investment, you're looking for something that ret- that's returns are not correlated to what the ASX or the government bond yield is saying. Yeah. So, an, an example in defensive alternatives, we'd consider something like private credit or like a, a loan that isn't listed on the ASX. So, it's not going to- not volatile. It's not going to change in value significantly. Mm. And on the growth alternative side, it could be something like hard commodities like gold bullion potentially yep. uh, or an alternative asset class like infrastructure. So, infrastructure returns are linked to either the economy or inflation. So, that's, that's where you're getting that diversifying income mm. or return source. Jamie, one of the things that you've said before is basically that you can get beta for free. So, can you explain what that means? When would you, and maybe when you would use beta in a portfolio context? If you think about asset allocation and the concept that strategic asset allocation, you hear it commonly talked about that drives 90% of all returns, um, lives on the basis that markets are efficient and you can capture beta. The performance mm. of beta. And <clears throat> what has happened over the last 15, 20 years uh, is the evolution of product. Now, product is available to everyone where you can capture beta for free, mm. which means that you can get the performance of the market either relatively cheaply through ETFs, and that's why ETFs are so popular, because mm-hmm. you can capture a market cheaply, or you know, if you're an institutional investor, you can pay basis points, one or two percent. Yep. Uh, even as an individual, one or two Point. basis points. Yep. Yep. That's 0.01. Um, of one percent. Yes. So, you, you know, do, do the maths, it's, it's nothing at all. So, this concept that you used to have to have a share portfolio by a managed fund that charges you one and a half to two percent, and the net result was that you just got beta, then that, that's no more. Yep. You don't need to pay for beta. You need to pay for alpha. Um, and we, we still heavily encourage people to chase alpha, um, which is the performance over and above the index. Mm. Um, and there's good managers and there's bad managers of that. I had a conversation with someone the other day. I know you guys deal with a lot of folks who would have, say, two, three, four, five, ten million dollars that they manage, you know, or they have an advisor like you guys manage. Um, are there certain types of assets that are applicable more to high net worth clients? So what I mean by that is, like, so beta, like anyone shop, can get that. Like right. I can go to the shop, yeah, yeah, be yeah. in my brokerage account and get that. But are there things that you can do once you get to that type of net worth where you go beyond that and you are strategically seeking something that is definitely not beta? It'd be more similar to what the way pension funds and industry funds have invested for the last 20 or 30 years. Yep. Okay. When you've got more capital, you could generally potentially take more risk depending on your objectives, mm-hmm. but you can also access a broader range of asset classes. Uh, and you're able to benefit from what people call the illiquidity premium. Yep. So, it's buying assets that aren't traded on the ASX to diversify your income sources. Yep. It might be knowledge rather than how much money you have. Yeah, okay. So, the understanding of risk and return is complicated and typically it needs 
many, many years in markets to understand it properly. So you mightn't have 10 million, you might have 1 million, but if you're knowledgeable about the risk return, then your investment portfolio might change substantially. Um, But a $10 million client, and 10 million used to be a lot of money, but we see $10 million in portfolios quite often now. And that could be Mm. just you've got an inheritance of $10 million. You've never managed one cent or you've sold your business and it was a luggage business and now you've got $10 million. Your knowledge is still pretty low. So you don't necessarily want to get in, get into anything that's got complicated risk return characteristics yeah. until you feel really comfortable. And that's the challenge of this wholesale and sophisticated investor status where there's, you know, was it Mayfair came yeah. out and was was uh, distributing products to wholesale investors that were higher risk than they went than they were. So being a wholesale and having wealth doesn't mean you're more knowledgeable than the other than the next person. When you when you think about like the average client that first walks through the door so say like a uh, business owner or someone that's preparing for retirement is preparing to liquidate and build a portfolio that they can live on in retirement i know i'm going for very broad strokes here but how do you see more often than not like the the risk profile and the split in the the asset allocation Mm. uh typically it's a 30 70 as in 30 risk on 70 off other way other way so 70 like growth and yeah i think the starting point of your conversation is risk return and client so a 10 million dollar client for us is a very easy client to manage the client that has the has an income need which is at the level or greater than their portfolio they're a hard client to manage now that might be a seven hundred thousand dollar client or a two million dollar client depending on their income needs but that becomes very tricky that's the most important part isn't it Determining how much income they really need when you're building that portfolio, whether they got ten or two, and then, then if they're an unsophisticated client, or a or a client that worries a lot, that wants to plan out the future, that is unplannable. Mm. So you know we, uh, and I don't want to offend anyone, but you know an engineer type mindset <laughs> where you're going, hey, this portfolio is going to return CPI plus five every year for every quarter for the rest of my retirement, and I'm not going to get a drawdown of twenty or thirty. 20%, even though that markets show that every 10 or 12 years you get a drawdown that big, then they're hard clients. Yeah. So it's kind of how much knowledge do you need, how much knowledge is dangerous, and then how much knowledge makes you a better investor. Yeah. I feel like there's like that sweet spot in the middle there where they're coming in, they're getting educated, but they're not assuming too much. Mm. Um, yeah. I feel like that's that's f- f- true for a lot of investing, right? Not just even advised clients, but unadvised. Like people are overconfident or with, with sure. really nothing. Markets do that, don't they? <laughs> yeah, the humility curve. You quickly figure it out. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of our role is trying to manage that emotion. So when they come out of uh, when they when they're converting from saving money to then drawing down on that capital, it's an important step in in portfolio management. Mm. How do they deal with the volatility that comes with it? Mm. And how do you how do you transition from saving to spending consistently so think of you know asset allocation if you've got the four groups drew's talked about four groups and there's various ways you can split but let's say four groups then the concept that you rebalance at the right time is uh, and i know we've gone to one of our last points but i think it's important to make it now is the most critical thing you can do so what drives long-term returns rebalancing but really what rebalancing is if you took the rebalancing tag of it is just selling high buying low. low that's all it is and it gives you confidence to do that so we've just gone through a market route and we've uh, successfully got 
majority of our clients to buy it at a really low point in the last yeah. quarter. And now if we went to our clients and said, hey, global tech is off 40%, you should buy global tech, they'll go, you're crazy. Yeah. I'm not doing yeah. it, right? Because yeah. But if you go, hey, we've got a long-term plan, we're rebalancing, and what we're really doing is topping up our underweight allocations, yeah. then they'll do that. Similar yeah. to a market boom, when you've got your Aussie equities that say should be 30% of your portfolio or your growth 30% of your portfolio, and now it's 40, if you tell the client, hey, we're going to retrim, we're going we're gonna to rebalance, they're more likely to do that um, than you telling them to sell their CSL at $350. Yeah. Yeah. So, in the emotional connection to individual investments. I remember the first time we spoke on the, the show, uh, you guys said having the plan is actually the su- the superpower in that is actually just having a plan gives you confidence to act under uncertainty and mm. discipline. And that's where asset allocation is so important. It isn't necessarily because it we're the key driver of returns, but it gives people confidence and some structure to make the rebalancing decisions when yeah. when everything you know all the news all the newspapers say you know that we're going into a fifty percent correction. So how do you remove that and just think about? what the strategy is behind it mm. and stay invested like it's time in time in the market not timing it's, 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 it, the words are right the strategy right so if you've got a pool of capital or if you've got a business so if you've got something else property investment what's your strategy and asset allocation helps you with that strategy and say dis, stay disciplined to whatever that strategy might be yeah and and that's that's what's worked if you look at long-term returns, not just from us, but in terms of pension funds, essentially the rebalance, not not just on a regular basis, but in crisis, has added an enormous amount of value over and above what you could do yourself. Yeah. How about then in terms of, so you, we've got the kind of like the four buckets. How do you think about the number of securities in a portfolio? Like a lot of people that listen to the show just think about stocks, but obviously if, if a typical client comes in how many maybe underlying securities or how many funds or ETFs are they typically exposed to? Yeah, well, um, if you assume bid is for free and not all those categories you can get free beta, but let's say that, then you uh, the, the product that you might buy, the ETF or whatever it might be, the index fund from mm-hmm. Vanguard, will have enough to represent the beta. Yep. So you've got beta. So that could be just one fund. So the core of your, that allocation might be just one fund and it might have, 1,300 investments underneath yeah. it, but in your portfolio you only see one line, yeah, and yeah. that's your beta. And that might be up to, you know, in some cases, that might be 70% of your allocation is just one line or two lines, and then around the edges you're adding. Yeah. And what are you trying to add for? You're trying to add the, you know, what everyone is trying to get is alpha. They're trying to do better than the market. Yeah. So then you have to be really careful of what you put your money in. Because a lot of times what that means is you've actually bet it for free, but you haven't done as well as market because you've started playing around the edges. Yeah. And, you know, as much as you chased alpha, it's expensive to chase it. And then you, you're moving away from what the market has done. Yeah. Um, in terms of fee budget, that's something that we've talked about before too. Obviously, beat is for free. In terms of active... Is there, maybe if you just give us a broad sense of like what's typical, what's a fee load that you might be comfortable for the right active manager? I think most people compare directly to a major industry fund would probably be the starting point for a lot. And they're, they're, they used to be the cheapest, but they're about 0.7 at the moment. Okay. That's but across the entire portfolio. Yeah. Blended rate. Only for investments. Yep. Yeah. If you say beta is free, so yeah. I'll probably look at it from a 
maybe a one to three or one to four basis. Yep. So if I'm giving you a dollar, if you say, hey, um, Jamie, I'm going to charge you 1% or 2%, then essentially in alpha, I want three to four times that. Yeah, so if you yeah, said, okay. hey, my fund's one, I'd want 300 basis points over the index as an extra one. And would you look yeah. at the track record of that to determine if they're credible or would you, it's more meeting them, speaking to them, getting a sense of it because you've done a lot of it? Well, I think, I think <clears throat> it's a bit, be careful about what we talk about, right? So yeah. um, essentially we're planners um, and we manage portfolios. So we have our own bias yeah. and our own bias is we think asset allocation drives the majority returns. Portfolio selection is important, but yeah. get your asset allocation, your tactical, your rebalance, and then underneath, um, it'll determine when you buy it and how much you buy it. Mm. So that's our bias. If I was a fund manager sitting in front of you, I'd say, yes, I can outperform the markets in all markets and I only buy Aussie equities. But there's times that we won't buy Aussie equities and we'll buy debt instruments or we'll just sit in cash. And that's, you know, that's our bias. That's how we see the portfolio from top down. You don't have to spend your capital if you don't need to, mm. um, if there's no opportunities. Uh, so we have a we have a different yeah. um, approach. Um, in terms of in terms of things that should be typically passive versus active, Drew, maybe are there are there slithers of the market or asset classes where you think you tended to be more active versus passive? Yeah, definitely. Add timings is probably as well. Like in the last okay. few years, when uh, mo most major indices were trading at all time highs, it becomes more challenging to be buying, deploying more capital into a into an index approach, but now that they're 20 or 30% off, it's significant, or maybe it's a small, low, lower weighting in passive versus active for that period of time too. Mm. Um, yeah, I think we've talked in the past about, there's a lot, you know, big markets are easy to invest in passively and they make sense. So the ASX 300, the MSCI, the S&P, fixed income, government bonds, highly liquid. But as soon as the liquidity drops off uh, and there's where there's an information, a potentially information advantage. So we've talked about small caps or uh, geographic, different geographical areas. So emerging markets, China, mm -hmm. Europe, that's where if there's an information asymmetry that someone is able to leverage, that's where you generally prefer to go active versus passive. Mm. And also, as Jamie is saying, if you can get beta for free, you want to make sure that active manager is doing something very different to beta. So their active share and their correlation to the index Explain should be incredibly active low. active share. Yep, so active share. <laughs> We're essentially the portion of a portfolio or the the, uh, the amount that a portfolio of investments of an active manager moves in conjunction with the benchmark. So if it's an, if it's an Aussie equity manager uh, and they've got 95% active share, it says they're a lot different to what the ASX 200 is. Yeah, so you want it to be very different. So yep. you, want you want it to be high. active share, yep. yeah. Okay. Tracking errors because essentially, well. if you're getting beta for not much, yep. you don't want to buy a managed fund that is eighty percent beta and yeah. twenty percent alpha. You yep. want an alpha play because a lot of funds would kind of index hug for a long time, right? Just to collect the fees. Yeah, sure. It's yeah. a challenge of size. the The bigger you get, and the more kind of mandates you have. Uh, naturally, I think the the pension funds are doing it at the moment, but that's because of legislation with your future, your super, that they're actually gravitating towards the benchmark. Yeah, right. Okay. Interesting. Um, so, there's probably one final thing that I'd like to get you, your ideas on, guys, which is just this idea of how you initially go about setting up a profile and de determining what is or isn't a risk profile. Like a lot of people that listen to this won't um, be advised, even though they maybe should be. So, how would you just in a general sense get a handle, like if you were even self-reflecting, 
what your risk profile was or how can you think about that generally speaking? Sure. Um, lots of elements. Uh, typically risk profile, the complicated thing about risk profile is, is there's two people. So there's yeah. two personalities. So you have to blend those personalities and a lot of our clients are different people in terms of risk. Yeah. So we would do a generic risk profile, um, which is a, a set of uh, 10 to 15 questions about how they see risk, <clears throat> problems, that's only one element into it. You know, time frame, the amount of capital, experience in markets, lots of people too risky in their portfolio. And that's generally if you see DIY investors and we've had yeah. a long experience, they take too much risk. Typically the male will drive the investment decisions. Yeah. The male is the riskier versus um, the female. Uh, There's a problem with risk profiles that everyone becomes risk averse during a crisis. Yeah, <laughs> and aggressive in the boot. Yeah. So, you know, you have Recency to bias yeah, yeah, keep doing them. Yeah. Um, so you do, do, do you redo them, do you? Uh, if you've got, you've got to, as an advisor, you've got to constantly assess the risk that's needed for your client. Okay. So, you know, if you've got an 85 year old and they've got three million dollars and she's worried about the market, don't own. Don't, you don't need to own market. Yeah. Yep. You know, you don't need to be in a, a model portfolio of an advisor. So, <clears throat> and portfolios are a bit easier. Not many people have said that in the last couple of years. A bit easier <laughs> yeah. going forward than they have been for the last five years, I feel, yeah. because fixed income is now a real vehicle. Yeah. So fixed, you'll you see a lot of articles written in the last three or four years about 60-40 was dead. <laughs> we 100% thought it was dead, right? So yeah. we didn't hold any long duration. We we're all in floaters. Yeah. We lost the, 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 the negative correlation that fixed income can provide to equities, but we were happy with that because the risk of losing capital wasn't there. But if you clear out the past returns and the negative returns of bonds over the last, you know, 12 months, 18 months, then I think you're in a better position. You know, you can get term deposits that pay 45 or 5%. You can buy a generic bond portfolio, Aussie or global, and you're probably getting a running yield of mid-fives. Yeah. And True. if the world was to collapse, then rates, put inflation, rates will have to go down. So as your, as your equities go down, rates will go down, bonds will go up. So you've, you've got the activity that is a normal portfolio that Markowitz originally mm. kind of said, this yeah. is what portfolio theory is, will come back into play. So to get a more diversified, a better diversified portfolio today going forward is a lot better, I think, than it was three years ago when bonds were half a percent. That's what we always, where we always start is what's your objective? If your income objective is 4%, and you're not worried about growing your capital, you can put in low-risk investments first, and then mm. you determine your risk profile after that. Mm. Yeah. If for anyone that is wanting to hear more about this, we've obviously just kind of scratched the surface, but we've there's so many nuggets in here. For anyone that is listening and think, I want to know more about like how this is actually implemented, I will put a link in the show notes because both Jamie and Drew uh, joined me, I think it was last year, and we talked about a, a scenario where there was a couple that would walk in and we went through line by line how that would be evaluated. And it's a really good, and gives you a really good understanding of how the team at Waddle thinks about portfolio management, risk tolerance, long-term investing, and so on. Um, but you can also get in contact with Jamie and Drew via the Waddle Partners website. It's waddlepartners.com.au slash contact. Uh, there'll be some uh, notes in there as well. So uh, there's a form that you can fill in if you want to reach these guys. And uh, Jamie, mate, really appreciate it. I hope we can do more of this. So thanks. Thanks, thanks for joining us. No and, problem. And uh, Drew, always a pleasure, mate. Thank you. 
For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.